0: Welcome to the podcast of Christ Covenant Church and Congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America located in the township of Langley, British Columbia. My name is Gary Vanderveen and I'm the senior pastor here. If you would like to know more about our congregation, please visit us online at www.langleychurch.org. Imagine that Jesus visited our church. And that he spoke to us for several weeks. That he performed miracles before our very eyes for several weeks. And then he said to us, I'm leaving. I'm going to heaven. I'm returning to my Father. But don't worry. It's good. It's, it's going to be great. You're going to experience the Christian life like, you, like you've never experienced before. You will experience... My resurrection life, like you've never experienced it before. For when I ascend into heaven, I will send the promise of the Father. I will send my Holy Spirit upon you. How would we respond? Imagine that Jesus was faithful to his word, that he ascended into heaven and shortly thereafter he sends the promise of the Holy Spirit. Imagine if we were baptized by the Holy Spirit. What would we do? What would it look like to be baptized by the Holy Spirit? What is the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Imagine if this happened. What would we do? Well, brothers and sisters, we do not need to imagine... For Jesus did ascend into heaven. And Jesus, after he ascended into heaven, received from the Father, as we saw last week, he received from the Father the gift of the Spirit. And having received the crown of the Spirit, Jesus immediately pours that same Spirit, the Spirit that he receives from the Father, he pours it upon the church. And in the first two chapters of Acts, we see what a spirit-indwelt church looks like. We see what a spirit-empowered church looks like. And in the first two chapters of Acts, we see not simply a church from 2,000 years ago, but we see... In, uh, in, in, in a microcosm, we see what the church at every place and every time looks like when the spirit of the living God is present and at work in the lives of Christ's people. And so here in our text, in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47 we have a biblical account of the four marks or the four priorities of a spirit-animated, a spirit-indwelt, a spirit-empowered church. You could say that here we have the four marks of the true church. Some of you, those of you familiar with theology or the historical theology are probably familiar with the three marks of the church. The faithful preaching of the word, the faithful administration of the sacraments, And the faithful exercise of church discipline. And there's nothing wrong with those three marks. So long as we ground our understanding of them in Scripture, and here in Acts chapter 2, we have four marks of the true church. Four priorities of the true church. And so this morning, I want us to look... uh, Very broadly, I'm going to be preaching uh, on on this passage for the next several weeks, but I want us to have a bird's-eye view of what's going on here. And this morning, I want us to see and understand that these four marks, devotion to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the Lord's Supper, and to the prayers, these four marks are the fruit of the Holy Spirit. These four marks are what the Holy Spirit produces in his people. And we need to stop, we need to pause here, and I need to unpack some of this so that we're all on the same page. This is vitally important that we get it right here. These four marks are the fruit of the Spirit's work. Sometimes we think, well, we need to do these things. We need to be devoted to the apostles' teaching. We need to be devoted to Christian fellowship. We need to be devoted to the Lord's Supper and the prayers so that we can have the Holy Spirit. We think that we somehow need to merit the favor of the Holy Spirit, that we need to be better Christians, and if we're better Christians, then for our reward, we will receive the gift of the Spirit. But that's entirely backwards. What we see in these verses is that these four marks are the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So it's not that we do these four things, it's not that we devote ourselves to these four things, and then the Spirit will be happy with us and come upon us. No, it's that the Spirit unites us to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Spirit enlightens our understanding, the Spirit inclines our wills toward God, and the Spirit then produces these four things in us. Do you see the difference? The first way of viewing it is works righteousness. We do these things so that we might have the Spirit. But the Spirit actually produces these things in us. And it's important that we understand the difference. I need to share with you two fears that I have this morning. As we look at these verses, I have two fears. The first fear is that some of us will hear the message and say, finally, Gary has preached an amazing sermon. I've been here for 20 years, and he finally nailed it. I've been advocating for a prayer meeting for 20 years, and I've been preaching this to Brother Ronnie and Sister Sally, and and they need to hear it. They need to hear it because they obviously aren't in touch with the Spirit, and they're not committed like I'm committed. That's the spirit of pride. And Paul is very clear that pride is not the fruit of the Spirit, but pride is the work of the flesh. And some of us, when we hear this message this morning, will be inclined, will be tempted to judge others because we will look at others and say, oh, well, they're not as devoted to apostolic teaching as I am. Or, you know, they're not as devoted to Christian fellowship as I am. Why can't these people buy into the program like I do? But it's not about works righteousness. It's not about pursuing these things so that you can earn the Spirit. But I have a second fear. The second fear is that some of us with soft and tender hearts will hear the message, we will be convicted, and we will cry out for the mercy of the Holy Spirit, but then we will respond in the wrong way. And here's what I mean. We will think that we need to be better Christians. Woe is me, I'm a miserable, miserable wretched worm, and I need to be a better Christian. I need to pursue this uh, commitment to the apostles' teaching with greater fervency. I need to do this. This is a form of works Righteousness. But where the spirit of the living God is, we do not need the law. We do not need a command because where the spirit of the living God is, he produces these things, he produces the devotion to these four things naturally, organically. It just happens. Another way of putting it is that what we have here in Acts chapter 2 is a description of what the Holy Spirit does and not a formula for a perfect church. It's not a command. It's not prescription, it's description. Are you with me? Are you tracking with me? Do you do you hear the difference? Do you see the difference? Thank you Justin, I see that nod. So please, again, please, please as we as we work through this passage over the next several weeks, remember what I've been telling you over the last several weeks, that the book of Acts is the record of what Jesus continued to do and teach after his ascension into heaven. And so what we read in the passage before us is a manifestation of the work uh, uh, of Jesus Christ as the ascended King of kings and Lord of lords. He has poured out his spirit upon all flesh. He has poured out his spirit upon the apostles. He has poured out his spirit upon the early church, those who hear the gospel and believe. And he is producing this great harvest, this great fruit. And so we are reading here in these verses about the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what I want you to notice, first of all, is that Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the ascended Christ, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, through the gift and baptism of the Holy Spirit, produces in his disciples a devotion to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the Lord's Supper, and to the prayers. Notice what we read in verse 42, and they devoted themselves to these four practices, these four priorities, these four marks of the church. And brothers and sisters, I want to remind you this morning that the word devoted means devoted. It's not a casual interest. It's not like these early believers said, you know what, Um, Hmm." Peter's preaching this week and he's an amazing speaker. I think I'll show up and, and listen to him. But next week, Ronnie's on the preaching rotation. And he has a stutter and he's not as gifted. And well, okay, well, I'll stay home this week. I'm not interested. Here's how a number of lexicons define the word devoted. And it's not rocket science here. Devoted means devoted. To persist in something. To be Busy with something, to be engaged in something. To hold fast to, to continue in, to persevere in. And here's my favorite one. To persist obstinately. Nothing stands in the way of pursuing these four things. The early church persists obstinately in them. Nothing stands in the way of these four priorities. Not COVID 19, not protests, not family events, not persecution, and not the Vancouver Canucks playoffs. Nothing stands in the way of these priorities. The early church devoted themselves to these things and persisted in them obstinately. The second thing I want you to notice about these four marks is that they're corporate in nature. Now, don't get me wrong. There is nothing wrong with you having your personal Bible study. There is nothing wrong with you having your personal prayer life. Indeed, I commend this. This is good. It's necessary. It's essential. If you love the Lord Jesus Christ, you want to study God's word on your own. You want to have a prayer life of your own, a family prayer life. But the, the, the emphasis here is on the church doing these things together. I don't know if you noticed it, but as I was reading the book of Acts, uh, Acts 2 here, I would said. The Apostles' teaching. The fellowship. The breaking of bread. And the prayers. And the whole church gathers together. They come together. And how often are they engaging in these activities, these priorities? Anyone? Monthly? weekly for 60 minutes on Sunday morning daily day by day they come together day by day they come together to devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, to enjoy Christian fellowship together, to care for one another, to love one another, to encourage one another, to rebuke one another. They come together to celebrate the Lord's Supper daily, and they come together to pray daily. And brothers and sisters, I humbly ask the question this morning. What is so different about the world in which we live? Why is it that we find it a drudgery to come together? Why is it that we're so busy with with work and soccer and music and family events and this and that, that we are unable to to, to devote ourselves to these four priorities. There is a third point I want to draw to your attention. Notice what we read in verses 46 and 47, that they came together daily for these four priorities, and they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. The Spirit produces joy in this church. Where the Spirit of Christ is, there you will find great joy, deep joy, never-ending joy, contentment, generosity. And this is indeed the fruit of the Spirit. Do you remember what I, when I expressed my two fears? My first fear is that some of us will be proud and some of us will point the finger at others and some of us will say, why can't Ronnie be like this? Why can't he be more devoted to the Zoom prayer meeting on Thursday evening? Have you ever experienced someone like that? Someone who, who's who's always trying to manipulate you and put pressure on you and tell you that you need to do this or that to be a better Christian? Never meet someone like that? Well, let me ask you another question. Are those people characterized by joy? Are those the people that are known for their bubbly personality, for their smile, their warmth? No. The Spirit produces joy, not pride. And what about those people who who have soft and tender hearts and are deeply convicted, but they respond in the wrong way and they think that they need to be better Christians in order to merit or earn God's favor? Are they full of joy? No, they're woe is me. I'm a wretched worm. I'm worse than a wretched worm. I'm nothing. And they wallow in deep despair. But where the spirit of Christ is, where the spirit of the ascended Christ is, there is nothing but unspeakable joy where people receive their food with glad hearts, with joyful hearts. With generous hearts praising God unceasingly. Where the Spirit of Christ is, there is great joy, great freedom, great contentment, for we have found Jesus. And Jesus has delivered us from our sin and misery and there is nothing more joyful than to be delivered from darkness. And so the question for us this morning is simply this. What kind of church is Christ Covenant Church? I began the sermon by saying, imagine, we don't need to imagine. The Holy Spirit has arrived. Our risen and ascended Savior has baptized the church. He has poured out his Spirit upon the church. And where the Spirit of the living God is, you will find these four practices. And you will find God's people devoted to these four practices, for in them Jesus is found. What kind of church is Christ's covenant church? Are we a church where the spirit of the living Christ is found? Are we a church where the spirit of the living Christ is at work, where he has touched the hearts and lives? of sinners what kind of church is christ covenant church are we a spirit animated spirit empowered spirit indwelt church what kind of church is christ Covenant Church.